for Preacher's Delight. And I said, is it supposed to be bad weather? He said, yeah, it's supposed to snow and everything. And I, yeah, I don't know what to do about it. And I said, well, if you'd have told me, I could have taken care of it. <laughs> you know, I, I tried to tell him that I could get through. You know, why didn't you tell me about this? I could have prayed. But anyway, we joke a lot about that. Uh, speaking of Brother Smith, would you pray for him? Uh, he's going to the Philippine Islands on Tuesday night. There's going to be 6,000 people in Baguio City in the Philippines. They are going to have Manny Pacquiao, the boxer. He's a senator or a congressman, one. He's there. Uh, they had the, the uh, Supreme Court, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. He's going to be there. Uh, there's going to be, I think, the vice president, a bunch of dignitaries, and 6,000. They've They've uh, declared, I think, the uh, International Day of the King James Bible. It's not just the Bible, but they, they're specific on it. Don't you wish that we could learn a few things from the Filipinos, right? How do they do that? Where they, the whole, the, you know, they're all in it. And Brother Smith has an a incredible printing ministry, so uh, they are going to pass out a bunch, a bunch of brand new Bibles and they have a, a beautiful award Bibles they're going to give to the dignitaries. So isn't that exciting? You know, it, it's not all a mission field all over the world. Some, pe some people are having a great time, thousands and thousands of people. But um, I, I just thought that's encouraging to me that, that he's going to be able to do that. So just special prayers for him. Also uh, have a, a prayer uh, asking that prayers are lifted up for uh, another one of my good friends, Brother Kenny, Pastor Kenny of Temple Baptist Church, uh, had, had, a, had a mild heart attack in December, but uh, he's okay and uh, doing well. But just pray for, pray for the people around the Northwest that you hear about and know about. And that's why Wednesday nights we take up prayer requests. If you have a, a serious prayer request, that, you know, that's why we pray. Because so, God answers prayer, amen. All right, well, let's go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 4, if you'll hold your place there. Let's pray, and I want to preach a message about that, uh, that I love Jesus Sunday. It's a perfect uh, verse for it. So let's go to prayer, and let's ask God's blessings on our time together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessings to us and the answers to prayer that we already have had so many times. <clears throat> and Lord, thank you for just giving us the promises in the Bible and uh, the encouragement and, and the admonition and the, and the pro provocation to pray as we do so little of it at many times in our life. And Lord, we pray that you'll help us stir us up today to love you more and more. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know the commandment in the Bible is that we're supposed to love the Lord, thy God, with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. Uh, we're going to be uh, speaking on strengthening uh, Christian strength tonight. But right now, I want, I want you to see something in this verse. Let's go to verse number 19. It's so uh, uh, almost uh, something that we might gloss over if we're not, catch, we're not ready to catch it. It's, uh, it says, we love him, talking about Jesus, of course. We love him. Now, is that true? Is that true? Well, the Bible implies several things in this scripture that his people do love him. Is that right? If you've been saved, 
by the grace of God, the word we there includes Christians because John's talking to Christians and he's elderly at this time. And uh, these verses in First and Second and Third John speak a lot about love and a lot about our love. Uh, John, First John chapter four is very, very uh, saturated with um, uh, instructions on how to love God and if you say you love God and that that God Himself is called love. That's another name for God. God is love. That that's the right kind of love. Then he says here in this verse, we love him. It's not this verse that we're going to cover in a minute that says, if you love him, he implies that you do love him. Is that right? We love him because he first loved us. Now, this also has a great implication to it. it, it, it it's understood there. The word first means that because he first loved us, we do love Him. We will love Him. We should love Him. We need to love Him. That Your love for Jesus actually unlocks all the other problems in your life that you uh, sometimes have. Uh, not learning how to love. You know, we have, a, we have a real big problem in life because we're human and we're sinful and uh, we're a fallen race. Many of us don't know how to love people. Many of us have to learn as we go. Uh, that's why it takes so long uh, sometimes to actually know your, uh, your mate for life. Because at first you might not even know how to love somebody. You might not even know how to love Jesus at first. But if you have a desire to love him, it's implied here in this verse that uh, he, he loved you first. Now, how many are glad for that truth there? He loved us first. You, you and I would never know what love is. Had it not been for Jesus loving us, we would never know what that's all about. It would be very lonely in this life if Jesus didn't love us. If somebody hadn't explained it, if we hadn't had the Bible to teach us how to love God, we would be a terrible, terrible mess because uh, the Bible tells us so much about love. And uh, it's translated in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in a little different word called charity. Charity is love in action. It's, it's active love. I mean, love that you actually show people. And so here we have another uh, wonderful truth. We love Him. Remember, that's implied. God wants you to love Him. And uh, it, it says, because He first loved us. So the fact is that our whole job in life uh, the very first commandment is that we love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength of every ounce of your fiber. It doesn't say that you should love God a little bit. It doesn't say that you should love God if something goes well or if something happens. If it's, uh, if it's convenient for us, we'll love him. That's not the love God's talking about. Let me, uh, let me explain. It was very inconvenient for Jesus Christ to come and die on the cross, wasn't it? Very painful, very, very sad, very tragic. But as we learned in Job this morning, that because there's so much suffering, at the end of the suffering comes the blessing. And that is the picture of Jesus, how that we didn't really know him. 
We had no idea who God was till Jesus came and suffered for us and died for us and agonized and was tortured and mistreated so badly. We really don't have an idea what love is. Can you imagine if Jesus hadn't died on the cross, we still wouldn't really know exactly what real love is all about, would we? Because unless somebody sacrifices for another, love is just academic. It's, it's plutonic. It's on the surface. But until somebody really shows love, uh, love in charity, love in action, we would never know. And part of that is because people suffer. Uh, now, do you know that Jesus has a, has a great priority on martyrs? Have you, uh, have you ever read about martyrs in the Bible? Did you know that's a, a level of love that is rewarded in eternity more so than just like you and I, if, we're, if we never have any, any kind of persecution, we never have any trouble in life? Did you realize that's, that's okay, uh, but you don't get rewarded for not suffering any. You don't get rewarded for not going through any, any problems in your life. The reward is for suffering and being faithful and, and uh, contending for the faith, enduring hardness as a good soldier. So there's, there's, a, uh, there's a wonderful uh, trade-off that Jesus rewards people that love him. And if you love him, you'll, you will sacrifice for him. You'll do things for him. You'll spend your life for him. You might go through some persecution, right? But remember, there's a blessing on the other side of that. And the ultimate sacrifice would, would be for people to be martyred for the name of Jesus. But there's a huge reward for that for those who are martyred for the Lord. And in the end of the book of Revelation, you see these rewards are passed out. This tremendous, uh, incredible uh, reward and, and, and praise for the martyrs are treated so good. I'm glad those martyrs are getting a martyr's crown, aren't you? Would, aren't you glad when a man or a woman gets a medal of honor and they're standing and the president drapes that blue ribbon around their neck, clasps it in the back and makes sure that that medal of honor is hanging right there where everybody can see it. I get goosebumps when I, I love watching that. And I, I don't care who the president is. I don't care. But if anybody, uh, if you ever want to have chills running down your spine, and, and goosebumps all over and your hair raises up and tears come out of your eyes. It's when somebody's honored like that that deserves it. And when there's martyrs that have died for Jesus, let me explain. There's not going to be any fake medals in heaven. When Jesus passes out those rewards, my friend, and he puts a crown on somebody's head, they have earned it. And it's amazing. So this... This love that we're supposed to have for the Lord is rewarded. And so I want you to know something. It's not easy all the time. It's true that God created us after the sin had already been committed. Uh, you and I right now, we're, we're in modern days, right? So you and I have been created into a world that God already knew was completely messed up. I mean, Adam really messed it up didn't he the bible says as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned you know why you're a sinner is because you're related to adam 
and, and Eve. So they, they, they made a decision. God, God let him make a decision. He made the wrong decision. But I want you to see something. God prepared it that way so that Adam could make a decision. It, it wasn't, he wasn't forced into sin. So you see, God made Adam in his own likeness, in his own image, and, and Eve in, in the image of God created he them. Both male and female created he them in his image. And they're in the Garden of Eden, and, and God wasn't surprised. He wasn't, he wasn't caught off guard. He, he let them have a decision to make, and he had it all lined out that if they made the right decision... Can you imagine what this world would be like? Would it not be incredibly fantastic that if Adam and Eve had never sinned? You see, the human race is, it, it, it is created in the likeness of God and it will go on. And then one day, uh, the last human will be born and will go on into eternity. I, I know that there's probably an end to birth, uh, physical birth. At some point. But way back in eternity, when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he let them make a decision and they, uh, they made the wrong choice. So, what did God do? He had to judge sin. Is that right? He had to call it like it is. Remember, there's somebody called Satan that before Adam and Eve were ever created, Satan had already been cast out of heaven. He, iniquity was already found in him. That's why when Eve was on the earth, that the serpent came to her. He'd already been there, you see. So this is all in the plan of God. However, the bad decision was made, and, uh, but he had a master plan. And that's what I like about this. He didn't just leave everybody in condemnation until you're all going to go to hell and you're all in sin and that's the period and full stop. That's not what God did. He had a plan from the beginning that you and I would have the ability to receive the remedy for all this sin. Aren't you glad there's a remedy for it? Aren't you happy that God didn't just say, well, uh, everybody's going to die. And when you die, I'm going to judge you. You made the wrong choice. And now I'm sorry, but you have to go to hell. That's just the way you wanted it. You didn't do what I said. I'm not going to have any mercy. No, but that's not God. God loved us before the world began. God loved Adam before he made him. God loved you and I before we were created. Did you know that God knew that you and I would be born into a sinful world? Of course he did. Do you know that he knew that you and I and everybody else in the world as he looked down from heaven would have to come to the conclusion that we're all filthy and dirty and sinful and gone out of the way. There's none righteous. No, not one. You think God knew that? Why did he let me be born then? Isn't that a mystery? I'll tell you what the, the best part about this whole story is that he had a plan for everybody. He knew that the human race was set to go on. He knew that's the way he started it. He's not going to stop it until the appointed day. But we have uh, a lot of people on the earth. Why are so many people born into sin? It's just the plan that God started. But he didn't leave us that way. He didn't leave us in this 
horrible condemnation. The Bible is very clear that the human race is a fallen race. We're in trouble. The whole world's in really bad trouble. But that's what people have to understand so that they can receive the love of God. That's why it's so easy for people to be saved. You see, would you turn with me to Joshua chapter number 24? Uh, unless there's, uh, maybe there's somebody today that might think, well, you know, we're, we're not all that bad and, and I don't want to beat anybody up today. But the fact is, no matter how hard people try, no matter what they do to put laws in their own life, uh, it, it's just sadly uh, a truth that people fall and people mess up and people are sinful. And uh, no matter what, there is just that human nature that you have to deal with and there's just no getting around it. So this is, uh, this is exemplified in not only Adam and Eve, but uh, remember the children of Israel when Moses came down out of the mountain? Were they all having a prayer meeting? No, it sounded like war, didn't it? By the way, if, you're, if, if your music sounds like a war, it's probably rock and roll. Anyway, they, they were naked. They were dancing. They were, they were in idolatry. That, that's the crowd, see? So Moses was very upset. Joshua had the same problem in another way. Turn with me to Joshua 24. And he was giving his last instructions to the children of Israel. Here's this great big nation that came out of, of Egypt. And uh, now they're, uh, you know, they're done uh, walking through the desert. And he is taking Moses' spot. And at the end, before he dies, he tells them, well, I, I hate to tell you this, but you're, you're not going to do well. I want you to do well, but you're not going to do it. Look at verse 1. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood. In old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. That's a sad thing, isn't it? God had to tell them through Joshua, reminded them that you served other gods. Well, that's human nature. Look at verse 3. I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him through all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau. And I, have, uh, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his brethren, or children went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron and I plagued Egypt. According to that which I did among them. And afterward I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And you came unto the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen under the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done to, in Egypt. And ye dwelled in the wilderness a long season. So 
He brought them out of Egypt. They saw everything God did. They saw the most amazing miracles. And yet, did they love God? The answer is no. Not very many of them loved. In verse 10, he says, I delivered you. I delivered you. Look at verse uh, number 13 through 15 here. And I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you built not and you dwell in them and your vineyards and all of your olive yards which ye planted not do ye eat. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, notice the next word folks, choose, choose. You're not going to love God unless you choose to love him. You have to make an, make an appointment with your soul. I'm going to love God. I want to love God. I want to love Jesus. I'm going to endeavor to do it. I'm going to find out what it takes to show him that I love him. He deserves my love. He loved me so much. I, I don't love him enough. I can do more. We say in ourselves, I'm going to make a choice. Who am I going to give my life to? What am I going to do with the remaining years of my life? Is he worth it? Is there anything on earth that's more important than, than my life giving it to Jesus? Is there anything I need that I could put Jesus aside for a little while and enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season? Or is there something I need more than I need him? And if you choose that you, you see this from the Bible and you make a choice, you're going to be very, very blessed and rewarded for loving the Lord. I love Jesus Sunday is not just a title. It's, it, it's a command. Now, look out. It says, choose ye this day, in verse 15, whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or on the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's amazing that loving Jesus is all up to you, isn't it? You know, I can't love God for you and you can't love God for me. I have to love him myself. I have to love him because I want to. It's just that way. And then God rewards you how much you want to love him. You say, I want to love him, but I'm not good at it. Just keep trucking. Amen. It's like those two frogs in the barn. They said to each other, uh, on, on the edge of the milk bucket, one said, I bet you can't jump to the other side. He says, I think I can. The other said, I don't think you can. He said, I can do it. Let's count to three and try. So one of them said, yeah, I think I can do this. I think I can do it. So they counted to three. Both frogs jumped over the pail and they both missed the edge. And they both fell in the milk. And they started fighting and kicking and running and wobbling around and swimming. And one frog said, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm going to drown. I can't do it. And he gave up and he drowned and went to the bottom of the milk pail. And the other frog just kept kicking and kicking and kicking and swimming around the edge and circling. He wouldn't give up and he wouldn't give up and he wouldn't give up. And he kept going. He finally just, he just flopped over on a big pile of butter. And he woke up and he crawled out of the milk pail. 
True story. Uh, so I'm just saying, listen, you might not. Well, my love for God isn't doing anybody any good. Oh, yes, it is. You know, the moral of the story is just keep kicking. Things will get better. So add that to the bad joke, Ben. When I heard it, he said it was a true story. Look at John 19 with me. I'm not going to say that I love God more than anybody in the world. Of course. That's just, just an arrogant, prideful statement. But do you want to? Do you want to love him? Is he worth it? If he was here today, don't you think you'd want to see him? Don't you think you'd want to uh, have some kind of reward in heaven for, for just knowing him and loving him? Listen, this is an easy message to preach on that we ought to love Jesus, but it is very difficult to live, by the way. Brother, sister, it's a hard thing to do. You know, because we don't really normally know how to love people. Uh, and boy, aren't we pulled with the love of this world? Anybody remember that verse is love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's a dangerous thing to get caught up in, isn't it? Yesterday I went down to the Porsche dealership. I'm not going to buy one. I'm going to steal one. No, no. I, I want, ah, man. So, you know, I've got this Porsche thing for a weekend. I'm trying to figure out what to do. I think uh, Father's Day weekend, I think I'm going to try to sign up for it. Anyway, it wasn't something I would buy, <laughs> but I got it for free. I'm going to take advantage of it. But I went down there into the showroom, and this guy's standing there. I made friends with him and looking around, and oh, man, I was so scared to even bump up against one. There was this uh, 9-11 Carrera, brand new. And I didn't even go near that thing because that's not on my list. But the other one, the Boxster, I, get, I might I get to drive one of those. And uh, this salesman was saying, get in it. Sit down and enjoy it. Take it. Yeah, go ahead. I said, well, I, I, I want to ruin it. Do I have to have those blue booties on to... On my feet, nah, get in it, go ahead. So I sat in that thing. I am a believer in Porsche right now. Uh, man, it's just so crazy. He said, you're going to have a lot of fun. I thought, oh my goodness, can you imagine? There's, the, there's a reason why people pay two and $300,000 for those vehicles. I know why they do that. Because once you get in it and you're dreaming, I didn't I need even drive it. And I'm already going to, I'm going to sell my house and a couple of, I, I, no, but I'm, I'm an easy sell, by the way. But it's scary. It's scary. I, but I exercise restraint. And it's easy because I don't have any money to do that. <laughs> but, you know, it's really fun to just dream and, that's the allure. Uh, the, uh, I, I told the guy at the dealership, I said, every one of them cars in there is saying, hey, big boy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, wow, they're calling. And the, the leather smells like perfume in there. It's like, whoa. 
Oh, could you not enjoy the car of your dream? You dirty, rotten sinners. No, it's just built into us. The, that it's, it's really nice. Anyway, I thought, you know, I, I can understand why people get their love that gets drawn away from God. There's just because, you, you know, you can't see God. You can't touch him. We, we can't see heaven yet. But you can sure sit in a Porsche. And it's pretty nice. But, you know, that's what the world does. You know, if, if you come to God, you must come by faith. And if you love the Lord, you have to make a choice to love him. By the way, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's a lot of people that made the trade. Well, church and the Bible and Jesus and everything else. And yeah, 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 religion, you know, all that. I, I, I've done that. Now I'm going, after, I'm going after the cars and I'm going after the homes and I'm going after uh, fame and fortune, politics, whatever. I'm going after my dream. Listen, you know what my dream's been ever since I got saved? Honestly, I might be kind of kind of a, a weird individual, but my dream has been I really want to get to know Jesus. That's 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 been the most rewarding thing I've ever thought of in my whole life. And I'm sure I could have been president. I'm sure I could have been a five star general. I could have been a sports uh, fame. I could have been, I could have been a football star. I know I'm not big enough, but uh, I could have done it. I could have been a pro golfer. I could have been an NBA star. Well, you don't think so, but just let me dream, okay? I gave all that up. <laughs> I gave it all up, but I'm glad I did. And you know, I don't know what, what you could have been. We could, we could be looking at somebody really famous in here had you not just become a Christian. But you didn't mess up. You didn't lose your life. For Christ, you found your life. You found the answer. You, if, 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 if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But the Bible says if you lose your life for the Christ, for Christ's sake, you'll find it. John 19. I, I want to go all day, but isn't this a wonderful thought this morning that you and I could love Jesus Christ in the, in the, in the way that he'd be rewarding you for it? It, it's just, it's amazing. It's like he's rewarding you for common sense. But it is, it's going to be rewarded. Look now with me, verses 1 through 6. It says in uh, chapter uh, John 19. Uh, yeah, all right. Uh, then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe. And said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Now, this is the Roman guard, right? This is, this is where Hitler got his Hail Hitler. That's where that came from. Hail. That's the same word. Hail or salute, you know. And so they went to Jesus. Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. 
Then came Jesus forth wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe, and Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. They were yelling. They were, they were yelling that. Kill him. Crucify him. Get rid of him. He said, Take ye him and crucify him. I find no fault in him. And then they, they cried the more. Look uh, down in verse 19. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of the skull. Which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. Where they crucified him and two other with him. On, their, on either side one uh, and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth. The king of the Jews. Notice they were very upset with that. It says in verse 20. This title then read many of the Jews. For the place where Jesus was crucified. Was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. When or Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate. Write not the king of the Jews. But that he said I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered. What I've written, I've written. And so they cried out, crucify him, get rid of him. And you know what that cry came from? That came from human nature. We needed to be saved. We needed Jesus to come. We needed the Lord. A blind, unsaved community of people that had God do all those miracles in their sight, and yet they didn't love him. They didn't know him. Now, how in the world... Can we make it through life without Jesus? We love him because he first loved us. This story is so plain. So you heard the statement, no Jesus, meaning N-O. No Jesus, no love, right? If you don't have Jesus, you don't have love. No Jesus, no love. But no Jesus mentally, K-N-O-W, no Jesus, no love. You know what love is once you know him. You don't know how to love if it hasn't got anything to do with the Lord. You don't know how to love your spouse without Jesus. You don't know how to love your children without Jesus. You don't know how to love yourself without Jesus. Please understand, there's some really, really intensified hatred that people have, and it starts hating themselves sometimes. Self-hatred is a terrible sin. The Bible says love your neighbor as what? As you love yourself. It's implied that you shouldn't hate yourself. But some of us have a hard time of understanding. How do I even love myself? I can't love my neighbor. If I can't love myself, how do I love my neighbor? There's the, there's the, the case right there. So I want you to see this now. In 1 John 4, let's go back there. And we're going to finish up. So today, I want to challenge you. Put everything out of your mind and heart for just a minute. And ask yourself this question. Do you love Jesus more than anything in this world? More than your children. More than your spouse. More than life. More than things. 
more than your future, more than anything in the world. If you do, you're on the right track and you're going to be rewarded for that because it's going to cause you to sacrifice. It's going to cause you to do things that you never thought you could do. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so proud of missionaries when they, when they hear the call of God to, to go to different countries and they're there in sacrifice of everything that they would have had. It's a big sacrifice to go to the mission field. It really is. But it comes with a huge reward too. If you're going to serve God, you have to sacrifice. But there's a huge reward in doing that. Now, let's go uh, to 1 John uh, chapter number 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is what? Yeah. So isn't this amazing that the love that you need for the Lord is not something that you know innately? You don't have the natural love that you could understand how to love. You have to be saved in order to love God. So you love him because what? He first loved you. I never knew what life was like outside of Jesus. But now, for these years that I've been saved, I have learned how to love people. I've learned how to love my wife. I've learned how to love my children. I've learned how to love the unloving. But I'm not done learning, amen? I got a lot to learn. So for my whole life, I've been learning how to be a better Christian, learning how to love God more. And it's a process. It's really a process. People that love God are special people. People that know and love Jesus have the ability to know and love God. He showed us. How about this verse? Anybody know this one? For God so loved the world. See? That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm glad we got a chance to know what love's all about. So let me ask you this. You can love the world. You can love yourself. You can love things. You can, you can, uh, you can attach your love to anything in this world. It's your choice, like Adam. But I want to challenge you. If you turn your love toward Jesus Christ and him, like he asked Simon, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? You know I love you. Why did he repeat it three times? I think he's just putting you and I right there where Simon, son of Jonas, should be. Brother Shaver, do you love me? Lord, you know I do. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? I just told you I did. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Oh, that must be so penetrating for, for Simon to remember what he was hearing from the Lord. That first answer wasn't enough, was it? Do you love the Lord? Well, that first answer is not enough. Do you love the Lord? That's, we're getting there. That third time, Jesus said, Simon, lovest thou me more than these? See, that Jesus, it kind of penetrates that worldliness around us. I'd ask you not, because I'm not the Lord, but have you pointed 
your, your energy and your love and your life to Jesus. If you do, you're going to be greatly rewarded for it. And I'm glad to know that you have trusted Him for salvation. But there's more to it. There's a whole life of love and service to Jesus. Let's bow our heads and let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer today.